Well, we are in 21 days of prayer, and as Pastor Jessica said, if you have not been with us for our morning prayer times, there's another Monday coming tomorrow, and you can jump right in and make it 14 days of prayer. We'd love to have you 6.30 a.m. tomorrow morning. We'll be here in this room, and we'll be seeking the Lord together, and so we'd love to have you join us. Next Saturday, we'll be together at 8 a.m. for a time of worship and a time of prayer And we want to encourage you to just make that a priority. We need revival in our land. We need revival in our land. And there is no pathway to revival without God's people praying. There is no pathway to revival without God's people praying. And so I want to encourage us as a church just to lean in to this time of prayer and fasting that we've set aside here at the beginning of 2023. Now, for some of you, prayer is a hard thing because you don't know what you're supposed to say. And, and, and I remember growing up as a kid that I, I knew one prayer as a kid. It was the scariest prayer I've ever heard in my life. It's the prayer my parents taught me to pray every night before I went to bed. Now, I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I should die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. Who thought this was a good prayer to teach kids to think about their death every night before their parents turn the lights off and shut the door to their room and leave them alone? This is a horrible prayer to teach kids, but that's the only prayer I knew. And then I remember we'd go to Sunday school, and, 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 and if you didn't grow up in church, you didn't have this experience, but, but I grew up in church, and, and, and in Sunday school, our teacher would have us, we would sit in a circle, and then at prayer time, she'd have us stand up. And, and we'd do this like, it was like a circle prayer, and we'd hold hands which was kind of weird unless you were sitting next to a cute girl and then it was like, all right, this is good. We get to hold hands. And then we'd hold hands in prayer and then as we would pray, one person would pray and then they'd squeeze the hand of the person next to them and then when your hand was squeezed, then you'd pray. And and it was okay if you were in the beginning of the circle because you could do all the stuff everybody already knew to say but if you're at the end of the circle and the, the you know, person squeezes your hand, you just squeeze the person's hand next to you. I don't have anything. They just said it all, right? And for some of you, prayer is like that. You don't know what you're supposed to say, and so you don't say anything. You just assume someone else knows what to say or, or the things that need to be said have already been said. So you just squeeze the hand of the person next to you and just let it pass on by you and you don't pray. And so part of what we're trying to do in this series is get as practical as we can in prayer. We want to actually equip you, not just to say you should pray, but to actually say to you, here are ways to pray so that you actually have words that you can use to begin to speak to God. And I thought Pastor Jessica did a great job last week of kicking us off in this series to just help us kind of 
understand that there's a myth that you don't have to pray with some kind of high language to make it prayer. Prayer is just conversation. And you just start the way you are with the words you have and you jump in and you let language develop as you learn the life of prayer. So what we're going to do in the rest of this series, this morning I'm going to introduce you to a pattern of prayer that I've been kind of experimenting and learning over the last year, and, and I'm going to introduce you to that this morning, and then next Sunday we're going to look at another pattern for prayer, and then on Saturday morning, the last Saturday of 21 Days of Prayer, I'm going to introduce you to a third pattern of prayer that you can use. So if you join us, you're here today, so check that box. If you come next Sunday, you'll have another pattern of prayer. And if you join us on Saturday morning, January 28th, you'll have a third pattern of prayer. And then on Sunday, January 29th, as we wrap up this series, we're going to talk about what it means to be day 22 people. Because it's not just about praying for 21 days. It's about building a life of prayer that we carry with us throughout the year. And our hope is that by the time we get to the end of this series, you will be practically equipped to build that life of prayer beyond this message series. So this morning, I want to introduce you to a pattern of prayer known as the tabernacle prayer or the prayer of Moses. Most of us know the story of Moses, right? The, the people of God were held in captivity in Egypt. They'd been enslaved for quite a while, and they were crying out to God for their deliverance, and they were asking God to set them free. And God heard their cries and raised up Moses, sent plagues on Egypt, and eventually Pharaoh said, get these people out of my land. And Moses leads God's people out of Egypt and he leads them out into the wilderness, and the goal is to get them to the promised land. This journey was only supposed to take a few weeks, but if you know the story, the people of God didn't have faith that God was actually going to deliver the promised land to them because the people who lived there looked like giants, and they didn't think that their God was capable of taking them into this promised land. And so God actually makes them wander around in the wilderness. A journey that was supposed to take a few weeks ends up taking 40 years. The goal was for them to go into the promised land, and once they were there, to build a temple for their God, a place where God's presence could dwell and the people of God could gather to worship God and enter into his presence and experience all of what he had for them. But while they were wandering in the wilderness, they needed a portable temple to carry with them. And so they built a tabernacle. And if you look at the scriptures, you'll see in Exodus chapter 25, it says, have the people of Israel build me a holy sanctuary so I can live among them. You must build this tabernacle and its furnishings exactly according to the pattern that I will show you. There's actually a, a pattern that God lays out for this tabernacle to be built. He, all kinds of specifications. He wants it built exactly a certain way. And there's kind of furniture that's going to go inside of this tent. And, and, and what you see as you look at the way it's laid out is that there are literally kind of stopping points along the way into the, the, the kind of deepest, most intimate part of this tabernacle, which is the holy of holies. And if you kind of walk through this tabernacle, what you discover is that these stopping points all had a purpose. They were kind of a protocol or a pathway for God's people to enter into God's presence. 
And this is a picture roughly of what the tabernacle would look like. You can see it. There's kind of a wall of fabric that had been constructed that would be erected right in the center of the, the camp of the Israelites. And, and that was known as the outer court, that kind of open area. And there were some pieces of furniture on the outside, a, an altar and a laver. And then you'll see the smaller tent at the back. And there were some pieces of furniture that were inside of that smaller tent. And then inside, at the deepest part of that smaller tent, there was a room known as the Holy of Holies. And that's where the ark was. That's where God's presence would dwell. And the priests would go through this process to actually enter into the presence of God, to actually encounter God in the tabernacle. And in fact, Moses would often go into the tent. If you look at Exodus chapter 33, it says, inside the tent of meeting, the Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend. As I have prayed for our church in this 21 days of prayer, that's my prayer for us. That we would have such a prayer life of entering into the presence of God that we would have moments where we come face to face with God, where his presence is so overwhelming and the intimacy and the closeness of him with us that there's this sense in which we're talking to him and he's talking to us and we're just having a conversation like friends do. That's my prayer for you. That's my prayer for us, that we would experience God in that way in our prayer. And so this morning, I want to just introduce you to this pattern of praying taken right from the steps that you would go through as you walk into the tabernacle. The first step is the outer court. And it's here that we give God thanks. If, if you think about that diagram of the temple, there was that kind of big open area that was just surrounded by those fabric walls. And that was just intended to set aside that territory to say, this is a space that's set aside to be with God. And as you would enter in, we're told that you're to come into that place through the gates of that place, through into the court there with thanksgiving and with praise. This is what the psalmist says in Psalm 100. He says, enter his gates with thanksgiving and enter his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. You see, sometimes we come to prayer and it's kind of like a shopping list. We got a list of things we want from God and we just jump right in because we're busy and we got things to do and people to see and God, we just need to run through this list so you can do these things for us. And, and I just want to take, just, just take a moment to say, don't start there. Before you ask God to do something for you, take just a moment to thank him for what he's already done. God's been so good to us. And we're supposed to enter his courts with thanksgiving and come into his place with praise. So when you start your prayer time, begin with thanksgiving. Thank him that you got lungs that have air in them so you can breathe and speak and talk to God. Thank him for another day to be alive. Thank him for all of the blessings that he's given you. Maybe, maybe the family that he's blessed you with. Maybe the children that he's given you. Maybe the friendships he's allowed you to have. The job that you now have that provides your needs. Thank him for the blessings. And, and as you do this on a regular basis, you're going to have a whole bunch of blessings that you're going to repeat. 
I mean, you're going you're gonna to thank him for things over and over and over again, and that's perfectly fine. We should continually be thankful for the blessings he's given to us. But I want to encourage you to just practice one little thing that will help you stay fresh in your prayer life. Every day as you're listing all those things that you thank him for on a regular basis, find one new thing, one fresh idea to be thankful for. And just speak that to him. And, and what it does is it just breathes new life into your thanksgiving and into your praise. Step number one in prayer is give God thanks. Now, right after you would come in to that outer court, the very first piece of furniture, the very first thing established in that outer court was the brazen altar. And this, this was the first stop in the journey. After you come in with thanksgiving, you say, God, thank you for all that you've done, and you praise him for the blessings that he's given to you. The very next thing that you encounter is an altar. And it's an altar where animals were sacrificed on a regular basis. You could not go any further into the tabernacle without encountering a place where the sacrifices were made. The sight of that, the smell of that, where animals were consumed on an altar of fire, you couldn't get past it. It was right there in front of you, and it was there for a purpose because you could not enter into the presence of God with sin in your life, and every time there's sin in your life, a payment must be made. And so you'd come to the altar first thing, right off the bat, and the very first thing you'd be reminded of is, I can't go any further without having my sin paid for, and you'd have to stop at that altar and just reflect for a moment that blood had already been shed, and an animal had already been consumed on that altar, paying the price for your sin. Now, we don't live in the Old Testament days. We live in the New Testament. And thank God we don't have to come to church and bring an animal to sacrifice on the altar. Jesus Christ is the once for all sacrifice, the book of Hebrews says. He, he gave his life as the Lamb of God so that you and I don't have to keep making sacrifices. He's already paid the price for our sin. But when we come to prayer, don't just thank him for everything he's given you and for everything he's done for you. Take a moment to focus on the cross. To be mindful of the fact that your life required payment for the things that were wrong inside of you. And just take a moment to picture the fact that Jesus Christ allowed nails to go into his hands and into his feet. That he allowed a crown of thorns to be placed on his head. And he hung on that cross and gave his life so that you could be forgiven and you could be set free and you could be made new. And just take a moment to reflect on that reality and focus on the cross and thank God that though you were a sinner, God loved you while you were a sinner and Christ died for you. Give God thanks and focus on the cross. And then you're ready to move to step three in the process. Step three in the process is the laver. It's this big bowl that was between the altar and the next smaller tent. 
This bowl was full of water, and, and it actually was covered on the inside with mirrors. So you were to go up to it, and you were to actually wash your hands. It was a way of ceremonially cleaning yourself to make sure that you were pure and ready to take the next step in the journey. And this is a, a great time in our prayer to just offer our lives to God. To just take a moment and make sure that God is cleansing you and washing you and making you pure and holy. The, the, the Bible says, who can ascend the hill of the Lord? Only those with clean hands and pure hearts. And so we come to prayer and we, we, we thank God for all he's done for us. We focus on the cross and we remember that he's shed his blood for us. And then we ask God to cleanse us and make us new and make us holy and make sure that there's nothing in our lives that would keep us from him. And there are lots of ways that you can do this, but I like to focus on Romans chapter 12, verse 1. Where, where Paul says, therefore I urge you, in view of God's mercy, offer your bodies to God as a living sacrifice. This is your spiritual act of worship. And, and you, can just, you can just literally think through your physical body from head to toe and just offer yourself to God. Offer your life to God to just, I did it this morning when I was praying. I, I just said, Lord, take my mind and, and keep all of my mind just set on you. Don't let me think about things that are outside of your plan, your purposes, your will. Don't let me think on things that are, that are not noble or praiseworthy or excellent or true. Keep my mind holy and pure, God. I thought about my ears, Lord. Don't let me give my ear to words that are outside of your way of living. Don't let me, don't let me buy into philosophies of this world that would take me away from the truth of your word. God, my tongue, help me, help me speak words, Lord, of life. Help me not to, to in any way say words that would tear people down or hurt people or, or take people away from what you want, but let me speak your truth and, and words of life that would encourage and build up and strengthen. God, take my hands and, and my feet. Take me where you want me to go and let me do the things that you want me to do to build your kingdom and advance your cause. And I just offer myself to God as a living sacrifice. To say, God, here's my life. You take it. You do whatever you want to do with it because it belongs to you. In view of your mercy, in view of what you've done on the cross, here I am, God. You gave everything for me. I'm just giving myself back to you. And after you were done cleaning yourself at the labor, then you would go into that smaller tent. And you're moving now into a deeper place. And the first thing that you would see inside of that smaller tent is you would see the candlestick. You'd see the candlestick. And all throughout Scripture, fire represents the, the Spirit of God, the presence of God in, in a place. And the candlestick often represents in Scripture the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God. And that's what it represented inside of this tent of meeting. It was to represent the spirit of God there in that place. And, and this is where we invite the Holy Spirit to work in our lives. This is where we come into this place of prayer and we just say, Holy Spirit, I just need you to anoint me and, 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 and be close to me and walk with me. Listen, the Holy Spirit is essential to an effective, victorious Christian life in this world. 
You cannot live the life that God has called you to live without the power of the Holy Spirit being alive and active in you. It's not possible. Now, here's the reality. If you're a child of God, the Holy Spirit lives in you. There's no other way to be a child of God without the Holy Spirit living in you. Romans 8 tells us that. Right? Because it's when we become children of God that the Holy Spirit is poured out in our lives, and it's by that Spirit who testifies with our spirit that we are children of God, that we can then call God Father. You can't be a Christian without the Holy Spirit. But here's the thing. You can live the Christian life without yielding yourself to the control of the Holy Spirit. You can ignore the voice of the Holy Spirit in your life. You can decide that it's not that important, or maybe for some of you, the Holy Spirit seems too weird, or he might make you do strange things, and so you just kind of keep him like in a little box because you're afraid of what might happen if you just let the Holy Spirit take control of your life. But here's the deal. You can't live an effective Christian life without surrendering everything to the control of the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit who helps us to avoid the wrong things that we're not supposed to do. And it's the Holy Spirit who teaches us to pursue the right things in this world. It's the Holy Spirit who guides us into all truth. It's the Holy Spirit who convicts us when we've gone outside of God's plan. We need the Holy Spirit. And Paul writes to Timothy, who is a, a, a young church leader and this is what he says to Timothy. He says, this is why I remind you to fan into flames the spiritual gift that God gave you when I laid my hands on you. For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, of love, and of self-discipline. If I could just encourage you to do one thing in your prayer lives this year, just invite the Holy Spirit to work in your life. Just ask him to guide you, to direct you, to give you wisdom, to give you discernment, to empower you, to strengthen you, to help you live a holy life, to use you to advance God's cause and God's kingdom. And just ask the Holy Spirit to work. Next, we come to the table of showbread. And this is where we claim God's promises that are in the word. We claim God's promises that are in the word. How many of you... Uh, get hungry when you smell fresh, fresh break, baked bread. Yeah, yeah. Like if you're like us, when we go to Texas Roadhouse, we eat like 18 rolls before the food ever comes. We're, we sit down and we ask the lady, can you bring us another basket? Just go ahead and go get it because these will be gone by the time you get back right? Because they just, they smell so good. They're hot. They just are so good. And, and every day in the tent, they would place fresh baked bread. And when you were inside of that tent, you'd smell it. And it was intended to make you hungry, not hungry for bread, but hungry for the word of God, which it represented. And when we come to prayer, it's important for us to understand that the word of God ought to be a part of our prayer lives. That we're praying the promises of God. That we're finding promises of scripture that we can stand on, that we can claim, that, that we can speak back to God to remind God of what he's already said in his word. 
to just, to just when, you're, when you're up against a need and you don't know how you're going to pay that bill, to just remind yourself that God's word says you own the cattle on a thousand hills. Everything belongs to you, God. The earth is yours and the fullness thereof. And God, this need that I have is nothing to you. It is small because you have everything. And God, you are my source and you are my provider. And you promise that you will supply all of my needs according to your glorious riches in Christ Jesus. And you just stand on the promise of God's word. Some of you are so anxious and filled with worry and fear, and you need to stand on the promise of God's word because fear never comes from God. Anxiety never comes from God, and some of you need to stand on the promise of God's word. Do not worry about anything, the scriptures say, but in everything, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. You need to stand on the promises of God's word. Some of you have people in your life who don't know Jesus, and and you've got to stand on the promise of God's word that God wants everyone to be saved and everyone to come to a knowledge of the truth. And you've got to claim that promise for the people in your life. We need the word of God and the promises that it contains. But the word of God is not just meant to be a place where we claim promises. It is intended to be used as a weapon against the enemy. In Ephesians chapter 6, we read that we're supposed to put on the armor of God. And this is what it says, finally be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power, put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. And it goes on to talk about different pieces of armor. And then it says, take the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Now, it's interesting because every other piece of armor is defensive in nature. But this one is offensive. It's meant to, to put you on the attack. It is the sword of the spirit. It's the word of God. And we come to prayer and we pray the word of God against the enemy. I pray for you every day. I pray for you every day as a church body, as part of my job, as part of my responsibility before the Lord to to lift you up before him. And when I pray for you, I, I confront the enemy on your behalf because some of you are held captive by patterns of sin in your life that you don't know how to get out of. There are addictions There are patterns of sinful behavior that are holding you captive. And I pray for you. And I pray against the enemy. And I speak against him for you. And you ought to be doing the same in your life, asking God to set you free. And the way that we do that is by using the word of God to come against the enemy. We... We come into this place, we give thanksgiving, we we focus on the cross, we offer ourselves to God, we invite the Holy Spirit to work in our lives, we we claim the promises of God's word in prayer and in spiritual warfare, and then the next piece of furniture that we find right before we would step into the Holy of Holies is the altar of incense. 
This was a smaller altar that existed inside of the smaller tent, and they would take coals from the altar outside, the first altar that you would have encountered, and they would bring that into the tent. And then on top of those coals, they would burn incense. Incense that was intended to just create a sweet aroma inside of that tent, always going up to the Lord as worship to him. And when you would stop at that altar of incense, it was just a moment for you to worship God. Now here's the thing. Thanksgiving and praise, which we do in the outer court, is different than worship. Thanksgiving and praise is about thanking God for what he has done, but worship is about coming in to God's presence and and loving him for who he is. And when we worship, we're just simply ascribing worth and value and honor to God, and we should do that in our prayer times. The psalmist says, come, let us bow down in worship. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker, for he is our God, and we are the people of his pasture, the flock under his care. Our job in prayer is to have some time where we just focus on who God is. And one of the best ways to do this is just to spend some time thinking about his names. We have one God, but he's got lots of names. He's known as the God who provides. He's known as God who protects, our God who heals, our God who redeems, our redeemer, our savior, our father, our friend, king of kings and Lord of lords, lion from the tribe of Judah, the lamb who was worthy to be slain. And you just spend a few moments thinking about the names of God and before long, you're just worshiping him. You're in his presence and you're telling him that you're giving him worth and value and honor for who he is. And you're just telling him how much you love him and how much you want to be close to him. The writer of Proverbs 18 says, the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run to it and are safe. We just spend time lifting up the name of God and entering into his presence. And then the last part, inside of that smaller tent, there was this room, the Holy of Holies. And when you'd open up the curtain, you'd see the Ark of the Covenant. If you've seen Raiders of the Lost Ark, you have a good sense of what this looks like. They actually did a pretty good job. And thankfully, this part of your prayer time won't end like Raiders of the Lost Ark ended. You know, your face won't melt off, I promise, during prayer. You can, you'll be fine. So if you haven't seen the movie, it's okay. Just, just go with me. So, um, But you go into the, the Holy of Holies and the Ark of the Covenants there. There's a box with two angels, and they're covering their faces. And right between those two angels, that's known as the mercy seat. That's the place where God's presence was said to dwell in the tabernacle. And the priest would go into that room. And you know what the priest did in that room? That's where they interceded for others. Because that was the job of the priest, to get between God and the people and to actually kind of serve almost like an advocate or an attorney, to come before God's people and uh, before God on behalf of God's people and make a case for God's people. And this is what you and I are called to do. This is where, this is where the work of prayer happens. 
And if we want to see revival in our land, if we want to see a move of God in our day, it's going to take people who will go to this place in prayer where we intercede for others. And the Bible tells us where to start our intercession. In, second, in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 and 2, I urge then, first of all, that petitions, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for all people, for kings and all those in authority, that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. Where do we begin our prayers? We begin by praying for those who are in authority over us. That's what the scriptures say. Pray for kings and all of those in authority. Listen, this is everyone. And some of you need to hear this because when the other party is in power, you stop praying for them. You make it your job to criticize them, to tear them down, to work against them. But that's not what the Bible tells you to do. As a follower of Jesus Christ, your job as a kingdom representative in this world is to pray for all of those in authority over us. Whether they're from your party or not, it doesn't matter. We have to intercede and advocate for them. And if, if those people who are in those positions of authority know God, then we're praying for wisdom and for discernment and guidance and direction and for the spirit of God to anoint them and use them. And if they don't know God, guess what we're praying for them? That the spirit of God would draw them into a relationship with Jesus Christ because God wants everyone to be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth, even if they're not from your party. God wants them too. I know for some of you that is hard to believe, but I promise you it is true. God wants everyone to be saved. And so what do we start with? We, we do what the scriptures say. We pray for those who are in authority over us. So we start at the top. We pray for our president, our vice president. We pray for all of the cabinet. We pray for Supreme Court justices. We pray for our lawmakers in the Senate and the House of Representatives. We pray for everyone who serves over our military. We pray coming down to the, the state level. We pray for our, our state senators, our our state representatives. We come into our local uh, reality. We pray for our city leaders. We pray for our county leaders. We pray for those who lead in school systems. We pray for presidents of universities. We ask God to give wisdom and discernment. We ask God to give empowerment and strength. We ask God to lead people into relationships with him if they don't have it. And if they do, we ask that God would work powerfully in their lives. And after we've prayed for leaders, we come into our church, we pray for the leaders of our church, we pray for our board, we pray for our trustees, we pray for our committee members, we pray for leaders of ministry, we pray for our pastoral staff, we ask God to give wisdom and discernment and anointing and power and strength and, and purity and holiness because we want our leaders to be covered by God's presence and power and strength and anointing. We pray for, for all kinds of things be, beyond that. After we've prayed for our leaders, we pray for, for different ministries. We pray for, for different realities in our community. We pray for strongholds to be broken. We pray for marriages to be restored, families to be put back together. We pray for the spirit of divorce, which is running rampant in our land, to be broken in the name of Jesus. 
Listen, it's easy to look at our world and say, look at how bad it is. Aren't things horrible? But it takes a godly person to take those things to the throne of God and say, oh God, in our day, would you do something new and different? Would you change the way things are and make them the way you want them to be? See, we've got to be people who intercede for others. That's why we're called to build a life of prayer. We come into the presence of God and we advocate for others in front of God so that God's purposes can be accomplished. And after you've prayed for the people on your prayer list, you can pray for your own needs, pray for God to make you holy, to, to provide your needs, to, to make a way where there seems to be no way, to do a new work in your own life. But we gotta be people who intercede for others, who lift up these needs and say, let your kingdom come, let your will be done right here, just like it is in heaven. And so this morning, as we close this service, I thought it would be important to not just have us talk about prayer, but to actually pray. I know, it's earth shattering. But here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna play some music and we're gonna put those steps on the screen so that you can see them and we're gonna take just a couple minutes. We're not gonna take a long time. This is not an hour in prayer, I promise just a few minutes here, just to walk through these steps of prayer. And I just wanna invite you to take whatever posture of prayer you'd like to take. You might wanna just remain seated right where you're at. You might wanna stand. You might actually wanna come down here and kneel at the altar. Or if you're like me, you might wanna walk around. Whatever you wanna do is fine. It really is okay just to take whatever posture of prayer. But I want us just for these next two or three minutes here to just pray and seek the Lord. And for some of you, this might be the first time. Just go with it. It's just a conversation. Just spend some time praying and seeking the face of God. I'm gonna prompt us to move through these steps so that we'll get through them in the next two or three minutes here. So let's just go to prayer. Heads bowed, eyes closed. Unless you're walking around, then keep your head up and your eyes open. Spend just 30 seconds thanking God for something new and fresh that he's done in your life. Maybe it's something he's revealed, a way that he showed up and did something you weren't expecting, a new blessing that's just come into your life. Just spend 30 seconds thanking God. Now just think about the cross. Think about the fact that you needed a price to be paid for the sin that you had committed and for the sinner that you were. And just spend a moment thinking about Jesus dying on that cross, allowing his body to be broken and his blood to be spilled for you and just thank him for it. view of God's mercy just to offer yourself back to him just say a prayer of consecration just saying God here I am cleanse me wash me set me apart make me holy protect my mind help me listen to the right things help me to speak 
words of life and truth. Take my hands and my feet, Lord. Use them for your purposes. Just consecrate yourself to God. invite the Holy Spirit to work in your life in a fresh and new way. Ask him to show you areas of your life that you need God's truth to be made real in. Maybe there's areas of your life where you're wandering away from God. Ask him to give you a fresh understanding of your gifts and abilities that he's given to you and to empower you to serve in new and effective ways in the year that's in front of us. Or maybe just ask the Holy Spirit to reveal himself to you as a friend who's walking with you day by day and moment by moment. Find a promise in God's word that you know and just stand on it for a moment. Maybe it's a promise that if we seek God, he'll he'll reveal himself to us. If we seek him with all of our heart, we'll find him. That's what Jeremiah 29 says. maybe, Maybe it's the promise that when we draw near to God, he draws near to us. Maybe it's the promise that God will provide all of our needs or God's able to help us overcome worry and anxiety as we present our requests to him. Stand on a promise of his word. Just take a moment right now and tell God how much you love him. Just honor him. Lift up his name. Tell him you want to be close to him. And then finally, in this last 30 seconds, just find one need that you're aware of. And just lift it to the Lord. Just ask God to make himself known in that situation, that circumstance, that person's life. Just intercede for others right now in this moment and lift those requests to God. God, we're grateful today. that we can come into your presence and seek you in prayer. God, what an, what an awesome reality. The God of the universe, the one who sits enthroned above everything that is, the one who created all that we see and everything that we enjoy, the God who owns Everything, the God who sits as the founder of all that is, that God, that great big God that we know and serve has made himself available to us and we can enter into his presence 
and call him Father. What an amazing reality. God, we, we are grateful for prayer today. And God, would you teach us not just to squeeze the hand of the person next to us and skip over prayer in our lives, but would you help us to be people who enter into prayer so that your kingdom can come and your will can be done on this earth just like it is in heaven. God, make yourself known to us as we pray in 2023. And Lord, as we have prayed so many times, even just this week, we pray again, Lord, send revival. Revive your church and pour out your spirit on this community and do a new work in our day for your glory and your honor. And for what you do, God, we're gonna give you all the praise in Jesus' name. Would you stand this morning as we close our time together? My brothers and sisters, as you leave this place today, may you enter into a life of prayer. And as you do that, may you find yourself taking the journey on a daily basis into the presence of God. And may you find yourself enjoying every step of the journey you are sent out.